Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. So uh, throughout 2024, this whole year, we're talking about uh, reimagining, rebuilding, uh, rethinking our faith in the hopes that we could together have a faith that is worth uh, keeping, worth clinging to, worth passing down. Uh, And because what I want for you, I know, I see you today and I know many of you, that you have had a lot of inputs in your life, a lot of pain, a lot of doubts, maybe difficulty at church, not sure exactly how you feel about all of this, but you are here today at church, singing songs, ready to listen to a sermon. And what I want to do is I want to help you stay. I wanna help you not give up because I think that this is still worth it. I think, it's, I think it's worth it, and I think that church and faith and spirituality, I think that it can be good and healthy and beautiful, and I think it's worth pursuing. And so this year, together, we're trying to figure out how to reimagine our faith and our spirituality and maybe even our church in a way that's worth clinging to and passing down. And so we're starting this year by walking through our confession of faith. This is what we just said together. Uh, we say it every week, and it, for us, is kind of just a starting place, a foundation for what our faith might be. And so we taught on having an expansive faith, and last week Brianna did a great job talking, uh, teaching about having a Jesus-centered faith, and today I am teaching on theological minimalism. And uh, every week I smile just a little bit when I hear you all say this out loud. It kind of feels like we're in like an an alternate universe or something when a whole group of people say theological minimalism out loud together. Occasionally, I'm like, I think I could write anything up there, and you guys would all say it together. Uh, but I love, I love hearing you say it, uh, and this is the idea that I get the most questions about. Um, I think because people are interested in it and because it's not a thing that we have said out loud at church before, uh, most of us are like, compassion, I'm cool with that. Like, that's cool. Curio- I like questions, curiosity, but like theological minimalism, like I'm going to need... A ten, at least a 10-minute explanation of that. So I get a lot of questions about this. You know, minimalism in general is an idea that uh, is po- it's a popular idea. You know, there, if, you, if you are around, then you know there are lots of people talking about whether our items you know, spark joy or if we should you know, have a home edit or something. So it's just a thing that's happening. Minimalism is a thing in our culture And for many of us, when we hear minimalism or we think about minimalism, uh, we think of like an all-white wall with nothing on it, or maybe like the tiniest of paintings right in the middle of the white wall, right, just kind of blank. But I want to be clear that when we talk about theological minimalism and what we're going to discuss today, um, when, when I talk about this idea, what I'm... I don't want you to hear that I'm encouraging you to have less beliefs. Because this isn't about the number of your beliefs, right? So I I don't need your theology to be a blank white wall, right? I'm not trying to to get you to have less beliefs. That's not it. Theological Theological minimalism, it's even hard for me to say it. I wrote this thing. It's hard for me to say it. It's about how we organize our beliefs. Theological minimalism is about a framework for how we think about all of it. Right, so it's not about having less. It's not really even about the number of our beliefs. It's about our focus, our, our attention. It's about how we organize these beliefs. 
And I care and we care about theological minimalism because I believe it is the Jesus way. In Matthew chapter 22, a really popular passage, I think Jesus gives us this framework. This is where we get it, right? I did, I did not come up with it from Marie Kondo, okay? I, I got it from Jesus, I promise. And this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 22. One of them, an expert in the law, tested Jesus with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So these experts of the law, uh, not to talk bad about lawyers, but these are lawyers, okay? They don't, whoever translated this, they were trying to be nice because the, the lawyers in the New Testament, they're not talked about very kindly. Like it's the first, it's the first attorney jokes is all through the New Testament. Uh, but instead we just call them the experts of the law, we're trying to be nice to all the attorneys out there. Um, the experts of the law come to Jesus and they come with kind of a trick question. But this is a normal thing. Jesus is a religious leader. Jesus is a rabbi. It's a normal thing to happen that they would kind of discuss and almost debate like this. And so they come to Jesus and they ask him, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? It's kind of a trick question, you know, it's a hard, hard question to answer. And um, Jesus famously answers, you know, love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. It's the greatest belief. It's the greatest loss, the most important thing. And then in verse 40, Jesus gives us what I think is our idea of theological minimalism. This is a framework. This is how those beliefs should be organized. Jesus says all the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Sometimes verse 40 is translated all the law and prophets depend on these two commandments. In other words, the law and the prophets, all the rules, all the customs, all the beliefs in the law, all the sacred stories and the prayers and the worship we find in the prophets, those don't matter if you don't have love. Right? Theological minimalism is the way we organize our beliefs. It's a framework, and Jesus says really clearly, right here in Matthew 22, one of the most famous passages, Jesus says some beliefs are more important than others. Some beliefs are more important. And I think that is our starting place here, that we just have to go, some things matter more than others. And I know that that might be a hard church idea for you because we were given this faith with all of this long list of beliefs. And maybe at one point you signed your name at the bottom of a belief statement and it seemed like maybe all of them were equally important, but they're not. Some things matter more. And even the question implies that, right? When they ask what's the greatest, Jesus didn't say back to them, greatest all the laws are inerrant and perfect from God. There is no greatest in the scriptures. Jesus said, no, I'll tell you what the greatest is. It's love God and love your neighbor. Right? It, this idea of minimalism isn't that we have less beliefs. It isn't that we have a white wall of theology. It's that, as we say, we hold tightly to a few things. And the rest of them are loose. We're open-handed. Right? Jesus gives us this idea that we say some of our ideas, some of our beliefs, some of our customs, some of the ways that we embody our faith should be more important than others, right? Our, our beliefs, our reading of the scripture, 
the way we organize ourselves, it doesn't have to be flat, where everything is of equal importance, right? Not everything is equally weighted. And for me, I was given that kind of like flat kind of faith, you know? Every belief, equally important. Every part of the Bible, equally important. Anyone else taught that about the Bible? Every part of the Bible. Yeah, everyone always says that, and then like my pastor never preached from Leviticus. They were like, it's all important. It's all inerrant word of God. And I'm like, it does, it seems like you think Romans is more important, just based on the teaching calendar. And I was taught that every sin equally weighted. Everything is flat. Everything is equal, of the same weight and importance. And what that created for me, and I think for many of us, is this idea of a, of a brick wall kind of faith. This is a thing I've talked about a lot. So if you've been around for a while, you've heard me talk about it. But most of us were given a brick wall kind of faith, where if you pull out one of them, like one belief, or maybe even one sin, or one part of the Bible, if you pull out that brick, the whole thing comes crumbling down. So you find out or you um, maybe consider, or maybe you're not so sure about like a literal seven-day creation. And then you go, I guess I'll just let the whole wall crumble. If they're all equally important, if it's all flat, if everything matters the same, then when you pull out the brick, everything comes crumbling down. And when we have that kind of brick wall, flat way of thinking, a couple things happen. One, we have to defend every single individual belief with equal vigor, right? Each belief becomes connected to our identity because if one of them gets pulled out, the whole thing is coming crumbling down. And so some of us feel this need to defend. We say, no, 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 no. It really happened just like that. The earth is not very old, I promise. We say, no, 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 there was a guy who lived inside of a whale, and if you tell me that's wrong, I'm out of here. Like we just, we come at each individual idea with the same level of importance, because if one of them comes out, the whole thing's going to come crumbling down. Or two, a single idea crashes our entire faith. That we find something out, or we go down one of those YouTube rabbit holes. We're given some new information. And we say, if this thing is true, if this new thing I just found out at 11 p.m. on YouTube is true, then none of this matters anymore. A single idea could crash our entire faith. And this brick wall kind of faith and spirituality, it is a hard way to live. There is a lot of anxiety and a lot of dogma that's associated with it. It all matters so much and it is hard to live like that for very long and i think our just stay with me here but i think our faith works better uh like a trampoline and again i've told some of you this before and some of you are like here goes a trampoline metaphor that's right in a trampoline in most trampolines uh there are springs and there's a mat I just found out about springless trampolines. Don't talk to me about those after church, okay? And most trampolines, and some of you are going to be like, can I show you a springless trampoline? I don't want to talk about it, okay? In most trampolines, there are springs and there are a mat, okay? And the mat is obviously very important. Like if you don't have the mat, it's not a trampoline anymore. Some of you are like, trampoline lesson, okay. 
But the springs are different in a trampoline. The springs flex. Uh, if you grew up like I did, your springs were like third hand and pretty rusty. And you can throw out like half of the springs and still have a working trampoline. Trust me, we did it. Right? You don't have to have all of them. So what you get to do with a trampoline, if your faith is like a trampoline, then most of your beliefs, most of them get to be like springs. They flex and they change and you can pull them out and be like, yeah, this isn't working anymore. And you throw it into your neighbor's yard and you don't have to think about it anymore. But they flex and they change and you don't need every single one of those beliefs for the whole thing to work anymore. They should flex. But your mat, if you throw out the mat, then maybe the whole thing's gone. But those should be different kinds of beliefs. And it's okay for some things to matter more. In fact, it is the Jesus way for some things to matter more. So you'll have to decide for you what's on your mat. Like what's the most important thing? That you go, if, you know, if I find that out, I don't know if I'm in for this anymore. For me, my mat is about who God is. That I go, God is good. If I find out that God, that we're in a simulation and that this is like an angsty 13-year-old messing with us, like, I'm not doing this anymore. But if I find out um, that, you know, Jonah didn't live inside of a whale, for me, that's a spring. Right now, I believe, because I, it says in Jonah that God sent the whale. So I'm like, God sent a hotel-sized whale. I'm cool with that. I believe that. I can believe it. I'm okay with that. If I find out it's not true, that doesn't crash my faith because it's a spring and I pull it out and go, I got new information. That's okay. I can throw it to the side. But for me, on my mat is about who God is, that God is loving and good. If I find out that's not true, I'm not singing the songs anymore. For me, uh, on, on my mat is that Jesus is God. That's on my mat. I'm not telling you it has to be on yours, but that's on my mat that I am uniquely Christian, that I think Jesus is our representation of who God is, that I get to learn about God through Jesus. That's on my mat. But you're gonna have to decide what's on your mat and what for you are springs because not everything matters the same amount. There are some beliefs that you hold tightly to and you live open-handed with the rest. The springs flex and support and you lose like half of them and it's okay. So a, a trampoline faith, for me, it helps me cling to those important things. And when I'm walking through some of those other beliefs, that can be difficult and complicated. I get to just live a little more loosely. That I go, I believe it right now. I do, because I want to believe. And to be honest, I like believing. I would rather I would rather uh, live as a little naive than really skeptical. And so I, I like belief. And so for me, I'm just a little, I, I'm, I'm in for lots of springs, but I get to live pretty loosely with them and say, I might be wrong. That's okay. My whole faith isn't going to come crumbling down, right? This is the faith that Jesus gives us, that they ask Jesus, Jesus, what's the most important thing? What's on your mat? And Jesus says, oh, well, it, it's loving God and loving your neighbor, right? This is theological minimalism. It's about how we organize our beliefs, where we prioritize some. We weight more, more heavily than others. And I think it's just worth pointing out while we look at these words of Jesus, that Jesus says very clearly 
that love gets the priority. They ask him, what is the most important thing? What goes on the mat? And Jesus says, it's love. So some beliefs and ideas should be more important than others. And Jesus says that love matters most. That loving God and loving your neighbor are more important than Sabbath holiness or sacrificial cleanliness. That love is more important than laws about worship or work or atonement. That love matters most. This is the way of Jesus, to prioritize some beliefs over others. But we have to never forget that love matters most. It's the same idea that the Apostle Paul gives us that you've heard at every wedding. If I speak in tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I give all I possess to the poor and go give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love matters most. So if you're unsure about what goes on your mat, you say, sure, I agree with you. Some things should be prioritized over others. Some things are more important. That's okay with me, but I don't know what goes where. Choose love. If you're confused about what to believe, choose love. If you are mad about some people who gave you a different kind of faith that isn't working for you anymore or has harmed you or has harmed people you love, then choose love again. If you're grieving the loss of the faith in the community that you used to have, choose love. And today, if you are hanging on to all of this by just a tiny, single, little thread, choose love. It's the thing that matters most. It's what gets prioritized above everything else. This is what theological minimalism teaches us, that we get to, we are privileged to organize our beliefs in such a way where love matters most. And so for you, what kind of faith were you given? Were you given a brick wall, kind of a flat faith, where everything is equally important? Or if you pull one thing out, everything comes crashing down? What, what kind of faith were you given? And then for you, if you are wanting to embrace theological minimalism, if this is interesting to you, then what's on your mat? might be helpful for you to spend some time with this week. What is the thing that I'm going to cling tightly to? And maybe for you, you know what all the springs are. You say, I, I know what all the things I'm just going to hold really loosely are, like seven-day creation and biblical inerrancy. You're like, those things, those are okay. But maybe you aren't sure what is of primary importance to you. So maybe take some time to consider, like, what is it? Why am I here? What am I holding on to? What was given to me that when life is really hard, I think about? Maybe spend some time considering what is the thing I am holding on to? And then how could you practice prioritizing love over everything else? You know, for, for me, most recently, it's been trying to be um, kinder, to folks who have a different kind of faith, different kind of trampoline than I have. You know, I, I got to a place in my beliefs that I feel are like this, this theology, this theological minimalism, the way I organize my beliefs, I, be, I believe these beliefs are less harmful than they've ever been. And so sometimes when I look at people who have a different set of ideals or priorities, I can be really judgmental. 
that's not helpful. Nobody ever judged me into changing my mind. Nobody ever critiqued me into being less harmful. I got loved into transformation. I was able to belong into a less harmful and more beautiful and more inclusive way of being. Nobody judged me into any of that. And so for me, my way of prioritizing love over the rest of my beliefs, it just has looked like saying, you know, maybe I need to be more open, more loving, more inclusive to people who I don't think of as particularly loving or open or inclusive. But how could you practice prioritizing love over everything else, right? This idea, theological minimalism, when we say it every week, I don't want you to think I'm supposed to have less beliefs. This is about how we focus our attention, what, what the most important things are. It's about how we organize all of these beliefs, that some things are and should be more important than others. Then I, I just, I want you to know today, I just, as we close, I want you to know that I get that it is not easy to treat these really big, really important religious ideas like things you can toss out. Like I know I made a joke about throwing it into your neighbor's yard. That was a joke, by the way. That was, it was not a good joke, but it was a joke. But I get that it's hard to treat these ideas that you were given by people that love you and that you love to just say, oh, this isn't important anymore. And even when you no longer really actually believe these things, that when you really actually agree with them in any way, it's really hard to leave them behind. It can be really hard to change your beliefs. For a lot of us, we have a little voice in the back of our head that whispers, don't be wrong, don't be wrong, don't be wrong. Are you sure about this? Are you sure about this? And brain science tells us that our childhood religious beliefs, the first set of beliefs we were given, have been literally encoded into our brains. That those, those first things you were taught about God and about yourself and about heaven and about hell, that those things have moved from the outer, outer layers of our brain into the deeper structures. So like riding a bike, these beliefs have been encoded in you. And so some of you may have changed your beliefs about God or about the Bible or about yourself or about heaven or about hell. But those new beliefs haven't made their way all the way into your brain. They exist in this outer layer still. And so your brain now has a reflex that associates incorrect belief or incorrect, incorrect behavior with things like eternal damnation or being cut off from your community. And so your brain is, <laughs> your brain is wired to set off a little alarm when you start asking, maybe I'll throw this belief out. Your brain is wired to set off a little alarm that says, no, 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 no. You don't wanna, you can't be wrong about this. The stakes are very high, no, 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 no. Your brain is wired to keep you safe. And so I just want to let you know, if you feel like it is impossibly difficult to leave behind or prioritize some beliefs over another, that makes total sense. Your brain is working exactly as it should, and it is working as hard as it can to keep you safe, 
it makes total sense that it's scary to change your mind. And you may not be able to totally eliminate that reflex in your brain. That when you say, oh, I, I have a new way of thinking about the Bible. Some of you get nervous when I say, I don't know if a whale swallowed Jonah. You go like, ooh, I need that to be true. Because there's a little part of your brain that says, if I'm incorrect about my belief, a bad thing's gonna happen. That's encoded in your brain and that's okay. It's okay if you're still a little bit afraid about being wrong. It's okay. It makes sense that you would be. And so instead of pushing against that religious anxiety, instead of um, feeling bad for feeling bad, just acknowledge it. Just acknowledge it as the way your brain is keeping, your sa keeping yourself safe. But just hear me today, everyone here, especially though if you have some anxiety about your set of beliefs, but everyone hear me today. No matter what your beliefs are today, no matter what your beliefs are today, God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you. If you have been called lost or backslidden, or you just feel so confused, you don't know where you stand, hear me today. God is not mad at you. God is not disappointed in you because of your beliefs. Your beliefs have never impacted God's posture or position towards you. You are not that powerful. God's love for you is so much higher, wider, and deeper than your current set of theological beliefs. Your beliefs have never impacted God's posture or position towards you. God has never been separated from you because love, yes, the love that Jesus spoke of, that love has been the only motivator and the only mediator between you and God. Any separation that you feel between you and God is perception, but it is not reality. It is a projection of our taught and learned insecurity, but it is not real. God has never been separated from you, and your beliefs have never changed God's posture or position about you. God loves you, period. And I know it is hard to leave some beliefs behind. It's hard to change your mind. It's hard to know how to prioritize and organize all of this mystery. But just know you don't have to be afraid. God is with you because for God, love is the only thing that matters. And so gather, this is my prayer for us today. Feel the freedom to focus on and cling to all the life-giving and lovely parts of this faith. And trust that as you prioritize love, you'll find more and more and more of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.